Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about postseason hopes for the basketball team and a huge win for lacrosse over Army. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman. And our guest today is 2003 national champion and the Juice Online senior college basketball analyst, Andrew Cowie. Andrew, how's it going today? Everything's going well, man. How about yourself? Good, Andrew. And the last time you were on the program was in December when Syracuse was just figuring out its rotation. Joe Girard had just been promoted to the starting lineup. And here we are three months later. Is this what you expected the Syracuse team to be? Did they underwhelm you? Did they exceed expectations? Or are they who you thought they would be? To be honest, I, I wasn't really sure of the season because of you just there was just a lot of unknowns. You didn't know really what to expect with Joe Girard. And, and I think actually from the beginning of the season in the first kind of maybe for after the first five or six games, even though, you know, the loss to Virginia, that's always a tough opener uh, playing against that team. So I kind of threw that one away, but even watching the next five to seven games and while we won some, you know, it was against the usual Colgate and Cornell's. Um, but again, you know, watching against Oklahoma State and Penn State, I was a little bit more worried in the beginning of the year, but seeing how things have played out, I mean, I think the coaching staff and the players have done a tremendous job in terms of, like, you're seeing the improvements. You're, you, you know, you, you know there's light in the tunnel. They are who they are, um, but I think they've made the best out of, you know, kind of the talent that's around and just fighting every game. You know, I was lucky enough, um, you know, when they played Florida State, I went up to Tallahassee to, to go to that game and, you know, that's a, a sort of state, you, you know, they're a top 10 team. They're, you know, you just watching the game plan, you're thinking this, this could be, this could be a 10, 10, 20 point game, but the effort that they're playing, the, the just the way they're passing the ball, they're in the game. And, the, and if it probably wasn't for Elijah Hughes kind of getting re-injured and he, and you could tell you he just wasn't a hundred percent. I think they win that game. And now we're, you know, there's a little bit of different mentality of, of the season. So, um, you know, I think they, at the end of the day, they have gotten a lot out of this team that, uh, and I think it's a credit to the coaching staff. Andrew, you just mentioned Elijah Hughes and I want to pick your brain about him. I personally don't think there's any way he stays. He's going to be a first or second all ACC caliber player at the end of the season. And he's starting to appear in some mock drafts. So you were teammates with Carmelo Anthony. 
There was speculation about whether he'd stay or go. You know good basketball talent when you see it. Do you see Hughes leaving after this season? I mean, I think it's in his benefit to come back solely because, you know, it, you know, people talk to you maybe a late first round, and, and, and you know, I think he should go during the summer and, and go to these tryouts and, and use that opportunity that the NCAA allows to, to you know, go to these preseason camps and, and and see what you're rated, and if it's not in your benefit, then you can come back. But I just don't see why would you leave now when the team is is possibly going to make the NIT at best, you know, and and then you're not getting the exposure. Like a, a lot of times, you know, we talked about Carmelo. Like, yeah, we everyone knew he was going to be a top five pick, top three pick. But when we won the national championship the conversation changed to, well, would you take him one? Would you take him over LeBron now? Like, because of the exposure you get in the tournament and, like, you just, you know, we saw that with when we made it to the Final Four, right, and who left early, right, because of of the run that he made. So I'm thinking, why not come back, you're the same team, you're – all expectations is the team's going to improve in terms of Joe Girard's going to be more comfortable. It's his second year. You can already see him become more comfortable in the Big East and understand the style of play. The buddy's a junior. You got more recruits coming in. What's I, I would I would say come back and and then there's a better chance of making the tournament next year, which then gives you more exposure and you are that kind of NBA player. So more eyes will be on you. More more talking points about you and you make a run in the tournament, now you're getting that more exposure of maybe you're not just a sneak in a late first round, but maybe you're a mid first round. So, but, you know, we've been through so many situations where, um, you know, uh, you know, O'Shea leaves and no one thought that would really happen. So it's, it's so hard to, so hard to figure out. Andrew, let's say he comes back. You've been around this program for as long as anyone, as has your family. If everyone comes back and the team stays the way it is, do you see them being a top 25 team and challenging for the upper tier of the ACC? I mean, I think so. I think, I think you know, the great thing when I was watching the game, when I was at the Florida State game is when I'm watching Joe Girard play, and you're like, he, he's going to be here for four years, man. That is, a, that is a fantastic college player to have right there. Like he, you know, he's not one of those NBA guys where like he's gone in, in one year, but he's he's gonna keep getting better. And he, in the game is, you know, the college game, you can see his understanding of it and just comfortability of it in terms of not just people say, oh, he's the next like he just like Jerry, Jerry. Like to me, he's he could score better than Jerry could inside. Like they're, 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 to me, they're two different people. But he he both him and Jerry had that mentality of. No one's stopping me. That confidence that is at an ultra high, and and if I need to take over something or I need to get the team a bucket, I can do that. And his finishing inside is fantastic. So, to me, that first that freshman and sophomore year can be a really big jump. So that it gets me excited. Buddy is your buddy is a perfect. Co- you know, he's a great shooter, right? We went we we almost beat Florida State with him scoring zero points. Right, so he he's gonna have a struggle, but your your hope is that he will continue to improve. Um, and so, to me, I think the, the whole team comes back, and everyone's comfortable playing with each other. Everyone knows every, everybody's situation. That I mean, I, I think they would probably be a preseason top twenty-five, even though you know they they might not make the tournament this year. But 
um, you know, I think having everyone back gives more optimism uh, for next year. Andrew, we get you out of here on this one. I want to look past next season and into the season after that. Syracuse landed a top five recruit in the 2022 class in Dior Johnson, the highest recruit Syracuse has had since Carmelo Anthony in 2002. He's coming to Syracuse unless they change the one and done rule. And now there's talk about his friend Chance Westry coming as well. He's a top 25 recruit in the class of 2022. So as an alumni, do you get excited to see Syracuse get a recruit like that, especially given how recruiting has dipped since the sanctions and also since Coach Hop left. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime you you get a early commitment from a top five, top ten, you know, five star guy, you know, two years, you know, a year and a half in advance, it's always exciting. And, and you know, these rankings are what these rankings are, and so that's you know, I think that's always great uh, to see. But you know, let's not forget of some of the great players that have played at Syracuse over the years that weren't exactly, you know, top 10, um, you know, recruits from a Hakeem Ward to Preston Schumper, um, you know, we can, we can go on and on. And, and so, you know, but we've, we've had top recruits, you know, you take a Darius Baisley, um, who we were supposed to, was supposed to, was going to be a top, was a top recruit and people were excited. And then, you know, he unexpectedly decommits and, and, and doesn't come. So to me, I mean, you know, we're not the Kentucky and Dukes, uh, you know, we're not going after somebody one and done. Um, so it's just, um, you know, a different mindset. So, you know, I'm excited about what the future holds. And I think we've gotten some bad breaks, you know, these last five or six years with, you know, players like Darius Blazley not coming and other players leaving early that you were kind of scratching your head like, really, you're, you're leaving early? Um, and that, and little things like that, um, you know, having less scholarships can can make things a little bit more difficult. It's just, you know, college basketball, it's a fine line. Um, you know, look at North Carolina, you know. You, we're, I, I think most Syracuse fans are pretty happy we're, we're not, you know, like that, you know, in, in being last place in the ACC. So um, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's as dire as maybe uh, some Syracuse fans uh, might think. Andrew, thanks so much for coming back on the program. Again, former Syracuse player and 2003 national champion, Andrew Cowie. Andrew, we'll speak with you again at the end of the season. All right, Wes. We'll talk to you soon. Great stuff from our friend Andrew Cowie. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, let's talk some Syracuse lacrosse. The Orange with a huge win over the weekend, getting a 9-7 victory over number 7 Army on Sunday. They rallied from 5-2 down at halftime in their first real test of the season. Brad, I think this team's got the makings of something special. What do you think? I think all the makings are there for a championship run. Uh, That's what I thought from preseason with how the team uh, went through scrimmages. And even now, overcoming the injury to star defenseman Nick Mellon uh, with the play and goal of Drake Porter really anchoring the defense, it's really, really stood out. It's certainly still a young season, just three games, and Army by far the most competitive game uh, for Syracuse. But all the makings are there. From an offensive standpoint, Wes, there are just so many weapons with the starting three midfielders, and Jamie Tremboli was the star against Army with five goals, but you have Brendan Curry and Tucker Dordovich who are on the Tewarton preseason award watch list for the top players in the country. So that's quite a trio. The second unit, Mitty, very versatile. 
that can really do it both from an offensive and defensive end. Then you have the three attackmen. They're sharpshooters. So there's so much uh, offensive weapons to choose from that teams from a defensive standpoint going against Syracuse are really going to have to strategize and, you know, really which are they going to play the attackmen? They're going to play up. They're going to play back. They're going to play more towards midfield. It's really going to pose a dilemma for opposing coaches scouting against the Orangemen the rest of the year. And with great face-off play uh, from Falp starting off and depth there, and then, again, great goaltending, it's certainly all the makings uh, for a team that can make a championship run in 2020. Brad, this is a Syracuse team that is ranked the highest it's been ranked since 2017. The new rankings released on Monday have them at number three overall. How big is it that they're this high so early in the year? Well, it's it's certainly important, and it's always going to help with recruiting. But we talk about how it's been since 2013 that Syracuse played in a championship game, 2013 since it was in the national semifinals. But it is back to just 17 that they almost made a run there back to the national semifinals with a disappointing quarterfinal round loss to Towson, 10 to 7. That game was played at Delaware. Now, in the first round that year, Syracuse edged out an up and coming Yale team by one goal in the dome. Well, that Yale team has gone on to win the national championship in 2018, runners up last year to Virginia. And they're the number one team this week in the new polls. So from kind of that point in 17 where Syracuse handed Yale that defeat, now coming full circle here to 2020 where they're ranked third uh, among four ACC teams in the top 10, it's critically important to keep that momentum going because we know Syracuse plays annually a very tough schedule. Uh, the teams there, most of them are going to be ranked in including Hobart on Friday night. They're currently ranked 19th in one of the polls. So a big target on their back each week. And uh, then the following week when the team goes down to Rutgers, the night before there's going to be a big uh, event for the lacrosse program in New York City. So that's critical for recruiting on Long Island. It's critical for mingling with alumni, for fundraising. So all of these things developing in the season, winning, of course, is the most important on the field. Brad, let's move from the long-running success story of the lacrosse team to the equally long-running success story of the basketball team. Syracuse, with a come-from-behind 79-72 win over Georgia Tech on Saturday, that means they're just one win away from clinching postseason eligibility. And for Jim Beheim, who's never had a losing season, this had to be a really big win toward keeping that amazing streak alive. Well, there, there are two parallels for me, you know, covering uh, Syracuse athletics for 45 years, Wes. So lacrosse and basketball and the consistency with the head coaches there. You know, I've written about this in Orange Watch's past. Just four lacrosse coaches in 104 years. Uh, three are currently in the Hall of Fame. The fourth, the current coach, John Desco, will be in the Hall of Fame. So that's produced consistent winning uh, in the time that I've covered Syracuse lacrosse from the 1976 season to present. And that includes John Desco being a player, an assistant coach, and currently now the head coach, uh, winning of national championships, and again, destined for the Hall of Fame in that sport. And then you parallel the same thing with Jim Beheim in basketball. He was a player. He was an assistant coach. He is a Hall of Fame head coach. 
and the consistency of the winning is just amazing. I mean, I've not seen a losing season since 1975-76 when I started following the sport in Roy Danforth last year. So you've had two head coaches in 53 years. I mean, that kind of consistency is a reason why Syracuse basketball has not had a losing season since they went 500 in 69-70. So here we are 50 years later. And the reason why that went over Georgia Tech West is critical because they didn't win games back in November when they, you know, had games that were for NCAA resume against Oklahoma State, against Penn State, against Iowa. So now these games are critical because the best wins of the season are Virginia and Colgate. And you're playing for, you know, NIT as a postseason, but you're still playing for a winning season. And when you look at North Carolina, you look at Duke, you look at Kentucky, you look at Kansas, the four programs ahead of Syracuse in all-time victories, they can't say the same thing. They've had that off season. They've had losing seasons for whatever reasons. And through thick and thin, Syracuse basketball, now under Jim Beheim, you know, I've, I've written about that consistency 73% of the time. So these wins are critical. And I think it's going to be really important to win out. Uh, to, to carry that momentum against teams that are beneath you in the standings in the ACC. And that's going to be critically important as we see how this team finishes up because of the losses that occurred back in November. Brad, we are right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Really anxious for the dome roof reconstruction. Graph. I'll be watching it uh, intently each month that passes through the spring and summer and They've been proclaiming this is going to be a new building uh, come September 19th for the football home opener against Colgate. And I'm also wondering, Wes, if that means is there going to be a push again for a new name? Is that going to be a sagger we're going to see through the summer? Will it stay the Carrier Dome? Will they look for a new name and claiming that it's a new building and their new naming rights up for bid? So I think that'll be very interesting watching as the dome roof reconstruction happens over the summer, if there'll be anything along uh, the same lines, paralleling that with a naming right situation. Brad, my closing thoughts are on Syracuse's game against Pitt on Wednesday. Pitt player Ryan Murphy hasn't made a three-pointer for 31 days. The last team he made a three-pointer against, I'm sure you guessed it, it was Syracuse on January 25. What's interesting is that he's still shooting at a 33% clip on the season from downtown, and statistically, he's still Pitt's best shooter. So we'll see how it plays out when the Orange and Panthers meet. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that you can count the number of real hands you have on one friend. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.